so, so grateful. Um, Pastor Kiana has shared this, and also to um, our scripture readers, also going to share a little bit about uh, this season that we are in, which is known as um, the season of Lent. It is a 40-day season or a 46-day season if you count the Sundays between Ash Wednesday to Easter Sunday. Um, Lent was a time where uh, Christians uh, would... Uh, lean into self-examination. They would lean into the spiritual disciplines. They would think about um, what they are not and who they could become and then how they could invite the power of God to help facilitate that. Um, on Wednesday, I shared during our Ash Wednesday service, and I want to say this again. Um, don't believe the hype if you hear that Lent is all about self-logging. Please, if, if Lent has been um, offered to you as a season where all you do is think badly about yourself or think negatively about your humanity or that this is supposed to be a season where you make yourself small, I want to say out of my pastoral authority, don't believe that hype. Neither do I want you to believe the hype that Lent is about 40 or 46 days of you having to jump through holy hoops. This is not about you trying to win the moral Olympics. It's not about you hustling before God to show God how you can be so good over the next 46 days so as to make up for something else. That is not what this season is. That is not what this season is. It is a season where we are honest. It's probably the most honest season within the liturgical calendar, the Christian calendar. But it is a season that is met by the, by the transforming power and resurrection of God to make us into all that we could ever ask for or imagine or maybe even more than we have ever asked for or imagined. So this season of preparation is not self-logging. It is not jumping through more or holy hoops. It's being held by a God who allows us to say this is what we need. This is what I need to be well and to be made whole and to have a God who meets us. This is also a season that um, we lean into acts of confession and words of repentance. It is a season where we name um, our sins. We name the brokenness in our lives. I want to say something because um, especially around like um, the language of sin and confession can, uh, again, can be weaponized in church communities. If it begins to bring up like feelings of shame, which shame never tells the truth, okay? Shame is this feeling that somehow you are bad, which means that it does not tell the truth. Let me tell you why shame doesn't tell the truth. If shame makes you feel like, oh gosh, something, I, I am bad, like literally my being is bad. In Genesis, it says, when God creates that all God has created, it is very Let me say that all again. After God looks at all that God creates, it is very good. Were you created by God? Hmm. When God looks at all that God has created, it's very good. We are not perfect. We have failings and misgivings and mishaps, which is what confession allows us to do, to say, I have strayed from the very good, um, but not to see our very existence as not God's good. This season, we will be um, anchoring ourselves within the Psalms. The Psalm book is probably one of the most honest books 
within um, scriptures, and we will move through the Psalms or the Psalter that is appointed for each of the days uh, throughout the season of um, Lent with some veering off and on over the course of the next um, six weeks. This morning, I'm so grateful for my colleague and also sister, uh, Reverend Betty Poole, who will come now to read our passage of scripture from Psalm 32. God's blessings to each of you. On this first Sunday in Lent, when we testify of the loving forgiveness of our Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus, I am delighted to offer this psalm from the Psalter, Psalm 32. The joy of forgiveness. Hear now the word of the Lord. Happy are those whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Happy are those to whom the Lord imputes no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. While I kept silent, my body wasted away through the groaning of all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and I did not hide my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let all who are faithful offer prayer to you. At a time of distress, the rush of mighty waters shall not reach them. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with glad cries of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you, with my eye upon you. Do, do not be like a horse or a mule without understanding, whose temper must be curbed with bite and bridle, else it would not stay near you. Many are the torments of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds those who trust in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord. Rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. I want to just read verse five one more time, and it says this. Then I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not hide my iniquity. Basically, I did not hide the 
failings in my life, and I did not hide the misgivings in my life. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. So uh, back in July um, of 2022, I had the wonderful opportunity of preaching at my home church in um, Jetburg, South Carolina. That's on the outskirts of Somerville, South Carolina, which is on the outskirts of Charleston. And um, my home church was celebrating its 158th anniversary. This particular church in the low country of South Carolina had been um, once a hush harbor. If you don't know what hush harbors are, they were literally on the outskirts typically of plantations where enslaved persons would gather together, not under the eye of their masters, to be able to worship freely. So they called them uh, hush harbors um, as a place of safety to get to show up in the fullness of who they were. And this is the legacy that um, poured into my life at Murray United Methodist Church in Jetburg, South Carolina. And so it was um, a great gift for me to get to go and preach for their 158th anniversary, to be a part of that legacy and that lineage. In fact, we can just clap for, <laughs> clap for them. I'm going to tell the folks at Murray Church that y'all clap for them, and it's not even July. Now, what was interesting is that when I went home, um, my mother wanted to come with me, obviously, to hear me preach um, and to be a part of this church community that she had been a part of for so many years. And it brought up, my mother and I, um, it brought up a very robust debate that my, um, that my mom and I have about correct apparel when one goes to church. Because my mother thinks that stockings, friends, are literally the cloth of the angels, okay? Now, here's the reality. In Jetburg, South Carolina, in a February, okay, we think of 54 degrees as being cold weather, which means in July, okay, what we consider hot, y'all would not make it. Okay. 54 degrees is considered cold weather. And my mama wants me to wear stockings in July. I'm not trying to die, mama. Julying, you julying, no. Here's the thing, though, about why my mother and I, even as a, as a young, uh, young uh, person, I did not like wearing stockings. Not only is it like it doesn't make sense to wear stockings when it is so hot, but secondly, they're like the consistency of cotton candy. And um, it's like a tragedy just waiting to happen. You see a splinter on an old church pew, and you just kind of say, you know, God, to you I commend these stockings. I mean, like, <laughs> it's going to be a problem. It's just going to be a problem. But we went back and forth about this particular thing. You know, and I, I, um, I know it might seem really funny, but I'll tell you something. If you get a run in a stocking, there, there is a certain kind of embarrassment because runs always seem to be in places that are visible. And then you spend whatever event that you are at trying to figure out how you're going to hide that run in your stocking. Saints, It's like even if nobody else knows, you know that there's a train track by your knee 
Never in my lifetime did I ever know anybody who went to church with me who said, look at the run in my stocking. Because we don't like our misgivings to be on display. And the very things that we're trying to twist and contort and to hide, we don't want other people to know about those things. And it can feel really difficult to not believe that other people are scrutinizing us for the very things that we're scrutinizing ourselves for. And yet the season of Lent continually invites us to be very open about the runs in our lives. It's a season that's continually asking and inviting us to say the things that we want to hide, to say the things that we're holding inside, to say the things that don't make us feel well, to say the things that we know we have done harm, to say those things. Ooh. It's a reckoning with our humanity. We gather in a worship space on Ash Wednesday and you literally hear the words, remember you are dust and to dust you shall return. You're reminded of your mortality. You're reminded that, yes, like Kiana said, that we did not breathe into God the breath of life, that God breathed into us the breath of life, that we did not create ourselves. It's God who created us, which means that sometimes when we find ourselves in difficult situations out of our own human capacity, we're not able to somehow put a veneer on our humanity to make ourselves whole. And yet Lent is a season where we are invited to say before God and sometimes even before one another, this is not who I am. This is not who I am. The psalmist in Psalm 32 comes with an energy. An energy of honesty and an energy around, I confess my sins before the Lord. And then I began to list off my um, iniquities and my transgressions. And then God forgave me. I mean, just out the gate. And you may wonder, what emboldens the, um, the psalmist to say, listen, I, I had to lean into naming the places that are my misgivings, because the psalmist says this, when I did not name these things, or when I tried to uh, hide these things, when I tried to hold onto these things, it felt like my bones were being crushed, some um, translations would say. That literally, it started to feel physically oppressive holding on to these things. I don't know that I've ever had like a visceral experience where I have wrestled so much with some of um, the misgivings in my life, but I can definitely say there have been seasons of my life when I have felt so uncomfortable. When I felt kind of a heaviness, like, like, a, like a pall over me, when I knew I was not being my best Lisa. And the psalmist says that when I kept silence, when I kept these things to myself, it felt like my body was wasting away. Whew. And then, 
I confessed my sins before God. And I spoke of my transgressions and my iniquity. And then God forgave the guilt of my sin. The psalmist comes with this energy of like, look at it, look at it, look at that, look at it. Not to get stuck. Look at it, look at it. Not to be, you know, self-flogging. Look at, look, 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 look at the runs of my life. Not, not, not to self-flog. Because the psalmist also recognizes that in the naming of the things, of the confessing of the things, that the psalmist is going to be met by God's mercies and love. And God's mercy and love is not like bill pay. I need you to hear this. I think sometimes the fear that we have in actually just being honest before God and before one another is that we start to think that God's forgiveness, God's power in our lives is like bill pay. That unless we have like some long suffering and we have to wait like a lapse in between when we say the thing and when God actually like pours out mercy in our lives, there's no lapse. You, you, you do a bill pay and it will, I mean, you push submit and it will say the payment will be rendered probably two days later. There's a space in between. But God's tender mercies are not like bill pay. I confessed. I spoke the thing aloud. I said the thing that's heavy the ways in which I'm harming others, the ways in which I know I'm not rising to my best self, the thing that I am getting kind of like pulled into that is keeping me from being the very good that I know that I am and that God has made me to be. I say the thing, I name the thing, and God also provides. Confession is not all about us. If it were, are we all in trouble? Oh my gosh. Truly, confession is not all about us. It's the pathway of trusting how God meets us when we can't meet ourselves. I don't confess just so that I can air out my dirty laundry. I confess because I believe that there's a way in which God is going to meet me, to free me, to unbind me, to liberate me. So the psalmist comes with this energy of, I, I will, then I confess my sins, and God forgave the guilt of my sin. And you know how the psalm begins? Happy are those whose transgressions are forgiven. The, the psalmist starts with, let, let me tell you what my life is like. Happy are those whose sins are forgiven of a God who meets us with tender mercies. And then if you have a chance to read the psalm um, this week, see how it ends. It ends with joy. Begins with joy, ends with joy. Begins with joy, ends with joy. 
which might give us courage somewhere in the middle. To be honest. And to experience the goodness of the gift in a God who will forgive us. I'm going off script for just a hot second. For a very long season in my life, I would always say sorry in threes. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Because I think I had this like view of myself of like, am I always breaking something? Am I always messing something up? You know, like sorry, sorry, sorry. And I would just feel this like sorry, sorry, sorry. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I don't sorry, sorry, sorry anymore. Not because I don't name my things, I name my things. But when I sorry, 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 because I know what God is able to do for me and in me and through me. So I want you to know um, that when you are invited into these moments of being honest with God, it is not for you to like, oof. Sometimes, you know, we feel that. I mean, we do feel that way. But maybe take on a, a new energy, like, okay, God, you're going to meet me at the place that I have struggled to meet myself. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, we have heard that your steadfast love never cease, that your mercies never come to an end. They are renewed every morning. They are renewed every afternoon. They are renewed every evening. They are renewed every season in the Christian calendar. For great is your faithfulness, O oh God. And great is your capacity to forgive. Your mercy is as wide and as deep as the ocean. It is so vast that even if we were to find ourselves at the farthest limits of the sea, even there your mercy and your grace and your loving kindness will find us. So in this Lenten season, O oh God, as we come before you to be honest, we do so in a posture of letting go because your exchange rate is better for our bones that feel like they're being crushed. You give us a spirit that we might rejoice for a heaviness of our hearts. You are a mender of our hearts allowing us to live spacious and expansive for the very places that maybe we have or other people have named as perpetually broken. You are a God who redeems and restores and meets us with goodness. So in our acts of courage to confess, we pray, O oh God, that you will meet us with the power to forgive. And that not only will we 
say when we leave this place, we serve a God who forgives. That we will trust and we will also live like we know a God who forgives. All this, God, we pray in the strong name of your Son, Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen.